American Revolution, the Road to the Independence. Chapter 1. Bills to Pay. The Big Question. Why did the British government tax the colonists, and why did that make the colonists angry? To better understand the events that led to the American Revolution, you will have to travel back in time to the years between 1754 and 1763, when the British fought against the French in a different war on North American soil. This war, known as the French and Indian War, was part of a larger struggle in other countries for power and wealth. In this conflict, the British fought the French for control of land in North America. During the French and Indian War, many Native Americans chose sides. Some fought with the British, while others fought with the French. Battles were won and lost on both sides. However, as is often the case in war, there is a turning point. In this war, it was a battle fought in a part of Canada controlled by the French. In 1759, British soldiers sailed up the St. Lawrence River and attacked the French city of Quebec. The British were victorious in the Battle of Quebec and then went on to Montreal the next year. Montreal's fall signaled the end of a large battles between the French and British in North America. Sporadic fighting continued until 1763, when the Treaty of Paris finally ended the French and Indian War. In the treaty, France agreed to give up almost all of the land it had claimed in North America. The French handed over control of this land to Great Britain. However, with new land came new responsibilities and financial burdens. Taxes. The British government had borrowed a lot of money to fight this war. A lot of money had been spent on protecting the colonists from the French and their Native American allies. All of this money had to be paid back, and the British government felt that the colonists should pay their share. In addition, more money was continually needed to protect the colonies as well as the newly acquired land. To raise the needed funds, the British government imposed new taxes, including several that would have to be paid by the colonists. In 1765, King George III and his government proposed the Stamp Act. The Stamp Act was on a, a tax on printed materials. Colonists were required to buy stamps when they bought printed items such as newspapers, pamphlets, and even playing cards. These were not gummed stamps, but rather impressions imprinted or embossed on paper. Many people were upset that, about the Stamp Act. They thought it was unfair that the king and his government in London were making decisions about taxes that colonists had to pay, while the colonists had no say in the matter. The British government had generally allowed the colonies to raise taxes themselves. For example, if the government of Virginia needed money, an assembly of representatives from different parts of Virginia would meet. This assembly was called the House of Burgesses. Members of the House of Burgesses would determine the best way to raise money. They would propose taxes and they would vote. If many representatives thought the taxes were unfair, they would not vote for them and therefore the taxes would not be approved. Because the House of Burgesses included representatives from different parts of Virginia, 
most everyone felt the process was fair. Every colony had an assembly, assembly similar to the Virginia House of Burgesses. The assemblies weren't all called the House of Burgesses, but they did the same thing. A group of representatives met to discuss new laws and taxes. Although the colonists continued to raise their own taxes, even after 1765, they felt that rather than imposing a new tax on the colonies, the king and his government should have asked these assemblies to find a way to raise the money that was needed. Instead, without even as much as a dialogue, the king and his government created the Stamp Act. They did not send it to the colony, colonial assemblies, but directly to Parliament, part of the British government's responsible for passing laws and raising taxes. The colonists agreed that there were bills that had to be paid and they wanted to contribute. But they also wanted some say in how the money was raised. They were concerned that important decisions about taxes were being made thousands of miles away by a parliament that had no colonial representatives. This process didn't seem fair to them. Other regions outside of England, such as Scotland, had representatives in Parliament. Their job was to represent and stand up for the people of Scotland. But there were no representatives from the 13 colonies in Parliament. Not even one. When the colonists became upset about the Stamp Act, they expressed their unhappiness in various ways. They held protest meetings, they wrote pamphlets, they set petitions to London. They tried to explain why they thought the Stamp Act was unfair. Many of the colonists were proud British subjects, but they also felt they had rights. Rights that the king and his government could not just take away, could not take away. Opposition to the Stamp Act spread. In Virginia, the House of Burgesses passed a motion protesting the Stamp Act the Burgesses agreed that the British Parliament had no right to tax the people of Virginia. Prime Minister Grenville. In 1765, the Prime Minister of Great Britain was George Greenville. He was the mastermind behind the Stamp Act. Greenville was, facing, was faced with the challenge of finding money to support the thousands of British soldiers stationed in the North American colonies. As far as he was concerned, the British soldiers were protecting the colonists, so the colonists should help pay for the soldiers. At first, the British government was surprised by the colonists' response to the Stamp Act. As a Prime Minister, Prime Minister Grenville remained unsympathetic to the colonial complaints and protests. However, he did not have widespread support, and other government ministers criticized him. He was replaced as a prime minister in 1766. A leader emerges. George Washington fought in the French and Indian War alongside the British. He served as a major and led a group of militia against the French in the Ohio River Valley. As a result of a successful mission against a French scouting party, Washington was promoted to colonel. He became the commander of a group of soldiers from Virginia and North Carolina. Although his next mission was not as successful, Washington had made a name for himself 
as a valiant leader. In 1755, he became the commander of all the Virginian militiamen. He was elected to the Virginia House of Burgesses in 1758. The end of chapter one.